0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. This is episode 93, Uh, a rare bring-in, or I don't know, I don't know what to call it, but I'm opening up the episode this time, don't really do that much. Uh, (laughs) We are recording this on the same day as the episode one of the NFL Week 1 breakdown went out from Evan and the boys, they did a great job. Uh, You guys got to hear from some other guys in the area, a different little taste of it, so... I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I haven't listened to the full episode yet, but from the first 10 minutes, I know it's going to be a great series throughout the year, and I'm sure the guys will do a great job with it. Uh, Speaking of which, Evan is here with me uh, doing double duty. He's had a long day, but he will always be there for the content. And now with the Premier League back after international break, um, how excited are you for Premier League to get kicked off again?
1: I'm so excited because the, the combination of... Having Prem back after the first international break, which we don't always get on the same opening weekend as the NFL, uh, yeah. that is just an absolutely fantastic combination. Thursday we have Bucks Cowboys kicking everything off. That's tomorrow. I'm so excited. Yep. And then I mean,
0: we have eight games on Saturday in the Prem.
1: Yeah, and then Saturday is going to be an absolute banger. Is there a Friday game? No,
0: right? No, we have eight Saturday. There is one on Sunday right before the 1, of, one o'clock kickoff for football, which is nice, and then we have a 3 o'clock Monday game. Oh, So that's a little warm-up for Monday night football. And that so brings me it, right in. Yeah, so it works out pretty well. Uh, the following week, we're going to get a Friday game and whatnot, but we'll get to that next week. But um, there's a couple good slated games here. Uh, We have some things with international break that are conflicting now, uh, specifically with the Brazilian FA. Uh, They're they're potentially going to restrict eight players in the Premier League um, from playing this week uh, due to COVID rules and all that. Because if you guys didn't see, excuse me, earlier this week, Brazil was playing Argentina in a World Cup qualifier match, and there were four players from the Premier League on Argentina that came in um, and apparently didn't follow the proper protocol. But the match already started and literally. Uh, Officials ran onto the field nine minutes in and stopped the match like a bunch of bitches. Uh, Like that made a difference because the damage was already done. But they suspended that match, so they're going to have to replay that. And now it's carrying over into Premier League action. So, um, I mean, the, 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 the people don't want the pandemic to end. They like complete control and to ruin people's fun. And it affects everybody's lives, especially us with sports betting. And it even affects our teams because some players on our teams and clubs will not be available this weekend for big matches. I know Arsenal has a ginormous match against Norwich where at the start of the season we would have thought it would have been an easy cakewalk. They would have been fine, but there's a lot on the line there and Chelsea as well to keep up in the title race. So, I mean, what do you think about that whole situation? I mean, how long do you think this stuff's going to carry on and affect the game? I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things you could take on that.
1: I think you might see them miss like two match weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they're really going to be able to stand for much more. The British FA will step in because mm-hmm. technically, I mean, all these guys are employed under the banner of the British FA, whether you kind of want to look into that or not. Um, they are. And the British FA we know has a fuck ton of power. Uh, it's certainly larger and I don't want to say more important, but I think they're more efficient in getting what they want than the Brazilian they the FA. They
0: have more financial support there. Yeah, of I mean- course. They already made a policy prior to the international break restricting most players from going on international break. A lot, like most Salah, for example, wasn't allowed to go to Egypt. Yeah, uh, I think there were about sixty countries flagged on the uh, UK red list. Uh, so apparently, those didn't match up with Brazil with Argentina, I guess. Um, but that's the thing; it goes it it depends country to country, and it's so political and like pc it's ridiculous and i don't know i know one thing it helps out chelsea because uh emmy martinez will not be available for aston villa and that's who we play so that's a massive boost for us going forward but i mean that also isn't good because you want to build you want to beat teams at their best
1: yeah it's it's just it's a really strange thing and i don't think it's gonna have uh really long lasting implications i just think it's dumb like you saw the picture of Emmy Martinez and whoever else it was. I think it was him. Uh, Buendia.
0: Buendia. Um, and there were two others that play in the Premier League. I, I can't think on the top of my head. but Yeah,
1: so you saw the picture of them on a private plane with their thumbs up saying heading to Brazil. Like, you don't think that any of their managers or agents would have reached out or even club professionals, like guys that work at the, the clubs themselves. You don't think that... Anybody would have reached out and been like, hey, guys, you're illegally traveling to another country that you're not allowed to be in. And then those guys went on to go on television and be on the world stage doing something illegal. I just it it does seem like dumb to me. First of all, the rule is dumb. It's ridiculous. But it is so insane to me that they just all went out there anyway and expected nothing to happen. Like, what what were they thinking? Right. Were they thinking at all?
0: I just hope this isn't an occurring thing because yeah. every month up until March is going to be World Cup qualifiers. So it's going to be three weeks, three, four weeks of club games. And then we're going to have a week and a half of international breaks. So there needs to be some consistency. Uh, people got to get their shit together. And I don't know. I just I hope this doesn't affect the U.S. because we already saw um, Zach Steffen has COVID, so he wasn't available. And Weston McKinney was sent home uh, with disciplinary issues because he had somebody in his hotel room. Unauthorized, which is ridiculous. And apparently, he had a party. I know um, some other guys on the middle, on the high school coaching staff were talking about Landon Donovan posted on social media, upset with McKinney. But I mean, really, dude, like it's not that big of a deal. They're professional athletes. Uh, The likelihood of anybody, even at their standards, catching it and dying is like 99.4%. They're in the clear. I mean, they have a better chance of getting hit dying from a car accident, like being struck by lightning, like there's so many things that could happen that over covid deaths. Like it's ridiculous. This thing needs to end because the only I think the only way we move past this is if we go back to normality. I mean, herd immunity is kicked in. They're always talking about a uh, third, fourth booster shot, uh another surge with with the flu. It's just fear porn to me. That's my I would say that's the underlying thing. It's just a bunch of fear porn.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that it's just continually been overblown. Um, Maybe not for the first six months, but everything since then, it's just headline-grabbing craziness. Um, I kind of try my best to just not think about it, Um, but it does affect what we enjoy so much. It 100% does, which sucks. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. The the McKinney thing was really weird. I thought it was strange. It's not necessarily topical to Premier League talk, but we were gonna talk about some international stuff anyway. And he almost went yeah. to Spurs, so um it's just it's really strange to me because I think I, I saw did you see what Landon Donovan had to say? Uh I, I,
0: I heard it briefly, but I didn't I didn't read it specifically. So
1: but- he thinks that McKinney so I don't think I think the pro, the protocols these days are kind of insane. I just want to put that out there. It's very intense for very There's little no reason. there's
0: no like broad like uh guidelines for all teams. It right, depends right. FA to FA. And that's like,
1: the thing that's that's I think foolish. If it was all one thing under the banner of FIFA, fine, I understand. I know that's not how that it works, but I think that it would be better if it was. But that's besides the point. Um Landon Donovan had to say that what McKinney has done in breaking the protocols seriously undermines his relationships with his teammates and that he thinks McKinney's relationship with the U.S. men's national team and his teammates is borderline beyond repair. And I thought that was kind of ludicrous. Do I feel like, you know, whatever he did, is it going to undermine the relationship with his teammates? Maybe he is an integral part of that team, but I don't think that... Makes it beyond repair. McKinney's one of the best talents we've seen come up in the past two decades, in my opinion. He, he's
0: he's a future captain of the team. And I mean, yeah. I think Chris Wondolowski in the 24 World Cup skying an absolute sitter is more undermining his teammates' trust than that. Yeah, of course. Like, seriously. Like, Landon, you, you've had great moments. The goal against Algeria was amazing. You've had great moments. But at the same time, like, you were never perfect. I think something minor is this is kind of ridiculous to take to that extreme. I mean, maybe off the field. We obviously don't know him personally. We don't know how he acts. Uh, He could be a prima donna diva, you know what I mean? But I think it doesn't affect that much. I think the players understand after two years of being locked down with so many rules, they can't live their lives how they want. Uh, It's ridiculous. Um, I think he just let it go. Like, let's move on. He better be back in the squad for October. Uh, or else they're fools. Especially after the game tonight, they will be playing Honduras. We're recording a few hours before kickoff. Um, if we do not win this game, we are really in a bad spot because it's looking like Mexico is going to be at least seven to nine points in first. We're going to have Canada above us, and we're going to be sitting in that four to six place range where we're right on the edge of making it. And I know it's early. I think they play a total of 14 matches up until the end of March, but we don't want to be six points behind the the uh, qualifying and then have to play Mexico, you know what I mean, and have to be absolutely sweating that out. So it's going to be ridiculous. Um, I just wanted to get that international talk out of the way just before the Premier League stuff because that's what's been going on more recently. And, and this is the first time that uh, international breaks been three increased to three games instead of two. So a lot more, a lot more storylines can come out and a lot more um, drama, like we were just been talk- talking about.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Um with that being said, moving on. that was probably at least 10 minutes there, but just just fine. exactly 10 minutes. That's fine. I'm I'm, gl- I, I'm nice with that sometimes. You just get after doing this so long, you get a feel for like how long cuz we're on episode 93 here. Uh we've uh, the channel or I say the show program overall including all the other things we've done. I think we have at least like 120, 130 episodes. Yeah. So it's like uh, I was talking to my dad It's like we're almost at two years of doing this, uh, and it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it's the first time we're doing it almost every time, just yeah. like a fresh feel like we have a good idea of an outline, uh, but things just flow easily um and that's why I'm glad we're in the fall with new programs, so you guys yep. get a variety of content uh but enough enough j- jibber jabber enough uh what's the <laughs> british slang
1: what I'm not waffling. sure enough waffling, waffling? Yeah. I'm, I'm
0: waffling on um. <laughs> Let's get into these games because this is a shorter episode. We liked it to be, but um, opening up uh, arch rivals for Evan Spurs looking yep. good. Top of the league, uh, three straight one, no wins uh, going up against Patrick. Vieira's Crystal Palace, who got their first point, which was a very strong point against a dominant West Ham side with your boy, Miguel Antonio leading the golden boot race with four. Um, how do we feel about this game?
1: Um, I think that. It'll probably just be a pretty much straight up uh, Tottenham win. Tottenham have won all of their games uh, 1-0. So I think that this is one of those games where they can explode a little bit. Not a super experienced defense here. Uh, well, not necessarily not experienced, but they haven't been playing as a unit for all that long, and I think that that's certainly going to have an effect on this game. Palace sit um, at 14th, the goal differential of minus three, and not scoring a ton of goals. I just don't see them out outclassing Spurs here. I think Spurs are, are really, really solid, and certainly more solid uh, than Crystal Palace. And I really think that um, they could slip. Tottenham could slip if it's Son and Skip, um, not not playing because I'm fairly certain there's a COVID scare. Um, there's qu- here right now, uh, Sanchez and Romero will be out. The South
0: American international, uh, Oliver Skip got injured in the U21s, uh, a few days ago. So he's got dealing with an injury. So he might be out as well as Lascello. And Sun picked up a minor injury over international break. So they might be a little banged up, but Harry Kane's clear. Uh, Bergwine's looking all right, possibly a little light there. And then Crystal Palace, a little thin in the midfield area. They still have a lot of injuries to uh, new signings there. Uh, But they bring in Will Hughes from Watford, pretty experienced guy in the the Premier League and also Championship. So a little more depth there. We'll see if Conor Gallagher can carry his form on. Um, but I'll say this about a stat. uh, Crystal Palace, after the first three games, are bottom of the table when it comes to shots per game. They average 6.7 shots, middle of the road in possession, Uh, but they are one of the leaders in aerial dual wins. So, I mean, Tottenham are a team that are are fly on the counterattack. That's pretty much how they've been, their identity since Mourinho. Uh, Nuno's pretty uh, comfortable with that as well with Wolves. They play a similar style. They still do. So I think, Spurs, I think Spurs can open this Palace team up uh, an experienced back line uh, in, the, in the regard of playing together. Uh, you have Aaron, um, Joakim Anderson, experience with Fulham last year, Gwe, uh Joe Ward's kind of the old guy there, the veteran in the back line with Tyreek Mitchell, kind of still young academy player. So um, I think Spurs can win this at least by two goals. Uh, I'd like to think Palace can get a goal here too. Uh, I feel like they're a team to break up uh, streaks for teams. They're a random wild card team. So I think they can break the the um, shutout streak for Spurs. And would the, uh, I mean, Tottenham's the only team that haven't con- conceded a goal yet in the yep. league, which is surprising. Um, they're just doing enough to get across that line. But I think Tottenham can carry on. And I think this is going to be interesting storylines, them being top of the league this early in the year, with uh, especially after all the Harry Kane drama. I know you were someone that. Didn't believe Harry Kane was going to play. He thought he was going to hold out, but yeah, um, it's he's staying true to the club uh, and being faithful, mostly to his teammates and fans, maybe not the board and whatnot. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm still last thing. I'm still just not certain on Patrick Vieira yet. I know it's it's very early. He's only had the club. He's only been at the club for two months, let's say, and he's still trying to get his grips. But the Premier League is the most ruthless league where you get zero time. Uh, to adjust and it's either you you perform or you're out
1: yeah that's true um i guess i'm I'm with tottenham here i just think it's an easy win for them i know you said you think that crystal palace could be one of those teams that plays spoiler and upsets the streak but i think tottenham uh win this one handily i think it could be like a two or three nil yeah. uh win and i just i don't think they concede honestly i know they're missing some guys they could be really missing some guys if son doesn't play but i'm just yeah. not that
0: worried and you were also talking about transfers. The Palace did complete that signing for Edu from Celtic. So they get some Yeah, Odds on
1: Eduard. That's a good move.
0: Yeah. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that Um, they only had six and a half shots a game. Like not even on target, just shots in general. Yeah. So, and I'm looking at the odds here. One last thing before we move on Tottenham's minus 115. They are the away team. Wow. Uh, but, but it is a London derby. So. And Palace, I think I, I read last week's stats that Palace are are winless in their last 11 London derbies. So uh, that's a stat favoring Tottenham there. And minus 115 is great odds for them. Uh, moving on to the other North London team, we have Arsenal hosting Norwich. Um, a lot of people jumping the gun, you could say, about Mikel getting him out early. Um, he just signed Tamiyasu from uh, Syria, a Japanese international. Uh, I think he's 23 years old. Uh, following all the other signings around that age, 21 to 23 years old. Um, Before we get into, like, deciding uh, our predictions here for this game, what do you think about his signings, Uh, him and Adu, the technical director? I think this is the most money they've splashed in a long time. The board's backed uh, Mikel. He's brought in a good core group of players that he can call his own. Um, Do you think it's the right thing to buy younger players like this for a long, I mean, if you buy young you you would think theoretically it's a long-term project. And at this rate, you don't think Miguel's going to be there. Or do you think maybe he should have spent that on some people that could help now, like some veterans that are on that 27, 28 year old range. What do you think about that with signing regarding the signings, Evan?
1: So my questions or my answers are going to be kind of two-parted here. Um, Typically, if you ask me that question, I would tell you that buying young and playing for the future and playing time um, is the wiser thing, right? Especially at a a larger club like Arsenal. However, I think if you have a short-term manager, which at this point I'm willing to say Mikel is probably not going to be the Sir Alex Ferguson of Arsenal, um, I would say that it makes more sense to buy players that you can win now, or at least extend your tenure with now. Um, buying young, buying inexperienced, and buying rather expensive, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. Probably not the play. We spent a ton of money on young guys. Do I think those young guys are talented? Yeah, of course. Do I think that they could be good at Arsenal? Yeah, sure.
0: But not now.
1: But I don't know if, if he is the guy to to bring everybody together, to glue everything together, and to make sure that these guys are learning in a you know, really flourishing environment because I know that the environment's not like that. Now there's a certain amount of toxicity that I'm, I guarantee you uh, players like Jaka and Aubameyang are emanating. And I don't think that, that that really fosters a, a really um, nice, clean environment for these sorts of young players who are really spending their first time alone um, for a lot of them in a different country. I don't think it's good for their, for their development. And, I just am not super happy with the way that Mikel Arteta is managing the team. Uh, but it is nice as an Arsenal fan who we never spend money. Uh, it's nice to see them spending money, I guess. I don't know. It's it's really depressing for me to talk about, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think it's that's heartbreaking. We've talked about this in the past about Arsenal not playing well. doesn't help the league. Um, I mean, I, I heard from some, some people saying that. Why would you buy Ramsdale, who's an average Premier League goalkeeper, to back up... Or challenge another average Premier League goalkeeper at Leno.
1: Tim Howard said that. Heard him say yeah. it last week.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of problems there. I think I think they definitely could have spent uh, some of that money on a, somebody that can help now. Like when they bought a when they brought in a he was at the prime of his career in top shape, and that's something Arsenal needed at the time. And he provided. I mean, the one year he tied for Golden Boot with twenty two goals. I think that was two three seasons ago. Um, he's lost he's lost that that uh spark there uh whether that's with his on the field performances or maybe there's something behind the scenes that we don't know but i think this is the perfect matchup for arsenal to bounce back they're fighting they're playing against norwich who are right there with them rock bottom of the table um the only thing norwich have going for them is they've scored one goal uh in the league where arsenal still have not yet scored um they did have a good performance in the league cup they got a few goals there a few weeks ago but um If you're feeling that Arsenal are still going to struggle, Norwich uh, betting odds, double chance Norwich and draw is plus 155. If you want to add that to a two-team parlay or you want to go all in on that, reasonable there. But um, I do think Arsenal bounce back here. I think they have too much quality. Norwich, I think, brought in a total of like 15 players for maybe half the money that Arsenal spent. And they're all just not Premier League proven. They don't have the experience. Uh, Kind of the same style, very young. Uh, them being away from their homes for the first times, and also playing in a top league like this, where uh, the second uh, you take a bad touch or anything, you're gonna get you're gonna get clocked. So I'll, I'll, I'm. It's more of my pick is more just like it's a little bit of the paper talk, like the two team sheets, like they have a better team, Arsenal, if everybody's fit. But uh, we'll see how the crowd is. I, I think th- is the game at the Emirates this weekend. Uh, yes. The
1: game is indeed at the Emirates, yeah. Yeah,
0: so I believe if Arsenal aren't up by the half, the fans will be going hard against Macau. I'm sure. So we'll hope to see. That's not the case. But uh, what are your feelings towards this game?
1: Uh, I think that it is going to be an Arsenal win, but only because they absolutely have to. Uh, I just think that on paper, uh, Arsenal 100% outclass uh, Norwich City there's just more firepower in the arsenal lineup whether they play well uh that will be what remains to be seen uh right. but i i just think that arsenal even with Mikel there um i just I, I don't see norwich being the team to to knock them off and continue the losing streak i think arsenal know that if they want to get back on track it has to be here uh you can't really start the the comeback train any later than this after losing all three matches and not even getting a point to show for it, I think they know they have to win here, and I think that um no matter how young the lineup is that that they'll go out there and they'll actually yeah. get it done.
0: well, both teams, if you guys like the over both teams in their first three games combined have given up nineteen goals, so um I mean, both teams did play city, so that's ten right there, but moving on, I'm thinking the gunners will be back here, uh moving on to the two teams here. We have Brentford Bees versus the Brighton Seagulls at Brentford. Brentford, the new dogs, who have pretty much established themselves a little bit of a reputation in the league um, for being solid. They can handle uh, a challenge, uh, but not the biggest of scores. Ivan Tooney did score his first goal for in the Premier League uh, in the last matchup they played, I think, against uh, Palace. Or was it Palace? Who did they play last? Sorry. Who? Brentford. Oh, Brentford Villa.
1: played Villa last week. Yeah,
0: sorry. Um, so this will be an interesting matchup because both managers, Frank and Potter, pretty tactical, tactically smart guys. Um, I don't know. I like the under in this game personally. Um, we have Brighton here who struggled offensively. Brentford now, we can see them struggle a little bit. They average 10 shots a game, uh, 2.7 on target, which is about uh, fourth from the bottom, only above Arsenal, Norwich, and Palace. Um, they, they seem like a team that are counterattack esque. They just take it in a little bit, have a little bit of possession, only sitting at about um sorry, what is it? They're sitting at about forty-five percent percent percentage uh possession a game. So they're okay with not having the ball. Uh Tooney's a guy up front that can hold up the ball very well. He's one of the few guys in the league that have that figure and can dominate aerial uh, aerial duels. So I think that's something Brighton have to deal with. So Lewis Dunk will step up for them. Um, my gut instinct right away is a draw. Brighton are kings at draws, and it's seeming like Brentford mid-table teams as well. So I'm gonna go with a draw here. Uh, what is your gut telling you uh, for this matchup, Evan?
1: Uh, right off the bat, I'm gonna tell you I'm on Brentford. I am a believer okay. in the bees. A believer. Uh, I'm going to give you some insights here. Brighton have won just one of their last nine away league games against uh, Brentford. That's three draws and five losses. Uh, With this, their first visit since a 3-3 draw in February of 2017. So Brentford have also lost just one of their last six league meetings with Brighton. It's three wins and two draws, remaining unbeaten against the Seagulls, uh the last time they faced in the 16-17 championship campaign, in which there were there was one win and, and one draw. Mm. Uh so it seems to me that Bright uh Brentford line up well against Brighton. It's been some time since they played against each other. Um, but I think that Brentford are going to come out firing. I saw some really solid um play in the middle of the park last not last was it last week or the week before? Two weeks. That was Sobey two weeks ago uh, versus Villa. That seems so far away in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I think Brentford looked good, and I think Villa are a relatively solid side, probably a better side than Brighton. Uh, I think that Brentford just carry on uh, that momentum. They know they need to carry that momentum on uh, because it's nice to be up early for when you inevitably slip later on in the season as a promotion side. It always happens. So Mm -hmm. I I think that Brentford actually steal a win here um, from Brighton, who are performing well, but... They can't sustain it. We know that. Yeah,
0: this could be a chippy game. I'm looking here at defensive stats. Uh, both teams average 20 tackles per game, which is tied for second most in the league. And both only concede around 12 to 13 shots a game uh, in total, not on target. So this might be like, this is leaning towards the under and also maybe a lot of cards here. Uh, but if there is a winner, it might be one nil if that. So And I would lean more towards Brentford, but I believe this game went in a draw. So you're going to back the Bs, you yep. said? Yep, I am. Um... All right, so here we go. We have Leicester City-Man City rematch of the Community Shield. Uh, man City hoping to get a, a revenge here after losing 1-0 to Leicester uh, from a Kelechi and Nacho solo goal. Um, I don't know, man. It's looking tough here for Leicester. Very beaten up in the back line. We've said that before. Um, now they have Ayuzi Perez suspended with that red card in the West Ham game, so they lose him there, but they bring in Adama Lookman. On loan from Leipzig, we saw him last year with Fulham. Did a decent job, a few goals and assists here, but nothing crazy. Uh, We'll see how he is in a better overall squad, uh, playing in front of Tillemans and Ndidi, one of the best pairing in the middle in the Prem. And I don't know if this is a match that you see Vardy up top alone, or maybe they go Iannaccia with him, but I think the more forwards you have, the more trouble you're going to have in the back. Uh, going up against the City team now with De Bruyne and Phil Foden back, both will be available in this game. Uh, from what I've heard, they've been in training this week, uh, did not go on international duty, so they have been resting, training at the facility, and it's looking like a big City win here for me. No other no other suspensions. We have ben, Benjamin Mendy with his um, off-the-field antics. Rape, uh, couple... you mean? 10, yeah. Uh, Ten rape cases. yeah So his career is pretty much over. He's probably played 25% of matches available. Uh, so he's pretty much had a terrible career or season. Well, he's been there a few years now. He's had a terrible yeah, time. Bad in, in Manchester. Uh, he's just been stealing money, but a lot of guys do that and don't really get spoken of. But yeah, I think Man City win here. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is a great manager to tactically decide what to do here, but I think he has too many good players out. And the players he d- he does have in the back are a little shaky, um, so I'm gonna keep it simple with a Man City win.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you there. I think that City are the team to come out here and really do it up, especially if De Bruyne and Foden are back and getting regular time. That's gonna be huge for them. They've been playing well so far, and I just think that that really makes them um, all that much stronger. So. Uh, Leicester actually are the team within within the last seven meetings between the or eleven meetings rather, um, none of them have finished in a draw, which is kind of surprising. Uh, City has won seven of those eleven, with four going to Leicester City, and I think that this is the eighth win for Manchester City. Uh, Leicester just missing too many people. Matt already brought that up. And I think that City are gaining strength while City are losing, or City are gaining strength while Leicester are losing strength. (laughs) Both teams are City. Um, I just read that wrong. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't care that this game's at the king power. Yes, do Leicester bring fantastic fans to every home game? Of course. I don't think it's the difference, though. City fans don't even need to travel, they're just going to outclass them.
0: Yeah, if you're a believer in home field advantage, Leicester is plus 490 to win this game outright. Uh, if you want to put Man City in a parlay with that Tottenham game, uh, Man City is minus 175. You put that together with the Tottenham game, that is plus 193 on FanDuel. Not too bad there. Maybe you throw in a prop on another game or something, and that's pretty tasty, maybe plus 3-400. Um, but, yeah, I think Man City have this, especially with the homecoming of Phil Foden and De Bruyne. I'm really interested to see what Pep's lineup is. Um, specifically with that who he benches it's more of who he benches rather than starts in my opinion yeah but uh moving on to the next game uh red side of manchester hosting newcastle the homecoming of cristiano ronaldo age 36 numbers have not dropped even at the prime age of 36 um is he a front runner for the golden boot for you
1: i mean we'll see um i have no idea does he what still have ex- it what's that do, does he still have it
0: yeah i think in, he still has in it in the premier league do you think he still can have it in the premier league let me say like that
1: okay he's gonna be sort of ghostly in the prem when you compare how much the ball played through him at uva and then madrid before that um even when he was at United before, they had so many other stars that it wasn't just the Cristiano Ronaldo show. When he got Wayne, the ball— Wayne I,
0: Rudy did a lot of work for him.
1: Yeah, he did. And when Ronaldo got the ball at his feet, was something magical going to happen, perhaps? Yeah, for sure. But I don't think that he has you know, that same spark, that same pace that he had back then. But he is like superhuman. I mean, if you look at the guy, I saw a picture of him yesterday at training uh, for the first time. And I was like, this guy doesn't look a day. He doesn't look a day over 25. He it's insane. You would have no idea that he was 36 years old, 37 years old. It's fucking insane. Um, I do think that he retains some of the spark. I think that he is an absolute god, really, of football. Yeah. There's there's no other way to to describe him. Looks like a god, plays like a god. Um he's gonna he he's gonna be really, you know, a great addition for United, whether it's just the locker room presence, the mentality of a winner, uh, somebody that really has just given their entire life to whatever clubs they've played to and played their heart out. You know, having a guy like that in your locker room, especially when you're a young team like United, that's that's invaluable. And the the fee was only like twenty two million plus add ons. So fuck it. Is his, his wage bill, made it back. Yeah, exactly. In shirts, right? He's that's the biggest shirt made- sale of all time.
0: Yeah, they made thirty-two and a half million pounds in the first twelve hours of releasing his Fucking his iconic sick. number seven, uh, which already made profit from the from the purchase of him. So I mean, he, I mean, they already talked about the stock was up seven percent uh, for the club overall. Like bringing a guy like that is like moving Michael Jordan to your team or a LeBron James, like though like iconic players in the sport that just bring the money. And now. Every Manchester United game at Old Trafford will be sold out, uh, regardless of the event. As long as that guy is on the field, everybody will come and watch him. And they already have him as an anytime goal scorer in the game at minus 195, which is...
1: That's insane. That's an
0: awful line. They guarantee him. And surprisingly, I don't know why, Jesse Lingard has a uh, better odds to score than uh, Paul Pogba, which I don't understand, but
1: maybe he's getting to start
0: jesse lingard yeah maybe he is
1: if his odds are better
0: yeah i have to go with new uh oh my i almost said i have to go newcastle here imagine oh. um I, I have to go with united here because uh the last three matchups uh, between these two teams have had at least four goals in them uh united being the side to score most of those obviously uh newcastle right now are a team that are leaking goals um they've given up eight goals in three games four of those in west ham two in Southampton, and also two from Aston Villa. So averaging a little over two and a half goals a game against, they do not have their top two goalies uh, available. They still are going with uh, Freddie Woodman, who's a young goalkeeper for them uh, at the age of 24. So, I mean, it's, and the midfield's looking thin as well. Hey, Isaac Hayden's out, John Joe Selvi's still out with calf issues, and potentially their main guy up front, Callum Wilson, uh, is potentially going to be coming off a thigh strain. So he may not even be 100%. So very little going forward. Uh, An absolute banger back line. uh, Killer attack and mediocre midfield with Fred in there. But I think they can cover up that hole and at least score three on them here and make the homecoming for Ronaldo that much better. Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't even really need to read into what is going on at Newcastle. Uh, I don't care. Uh, I don't think that even them on their best day could be United on one of their average days right now. Uh and I just think that the homecoming of Ronaldo is whether he I don't know if he's gonna start or what who like we have no idea. To, I would to. imagine that he will um just for the the boost. Um and United right now is minus five fifty to win this game. I mean I can I cannot imagine what old Trafford is going to sound like uh, it's not going to translate over th- the TV r- the right way, but I would pay I'd pay fifty thousand dollars to be in the stadium for the first time that he steps back on the pitch because there's you will not hear anything like that ever in your life.
0: Yeah, if anything, it's kind of going to be similar to how college football was this weekend. The five yeah. straight days of all the games being back after two years of no fans in there, we saw great scenes with that. Um I forgot what I was gonna say. I
1: almost um, bought a jersey. I almost bought of a Ronaldo one? Yeah, I almost did. I actually was like on the website and I was like, I can't do this, but I really want to because that was how I fell in love with the game.
0: Oh, I remember what I was gonna say I would say out of the four excuse me front runners for the title, I think United is the team to flub this game out of all really? the teams. Yeah, I think they're a team that can choke up on gimmies. The most out of the four teams, considering City, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Um, I mean, we've seen it in the past. They've they, the Southampton draw, obviously no Ronaldo, but they they struggle in these mid-table games at times. But I think Newcastle is the perfect team for them, where they just don't have that uh, defensive structure and depth to to even stop, let alone Ronaldo. You have Pogba and Greenwood. Greenwood's in phenomenal form right now. Um, if he's not in that starting lineup on the right over Sancho, I think that's a Absolute crime on Ollie, but we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think United here, big, we both agree. Uh, and we can move on to the South Coast, Southampton playing West Ham, Southampton in the 96 minutes, scraping a draw against the previously talked about Newcastle um, playing West Ham now, who unfortunately drew against the Crystal Palace team that I should say a uh, Connor Gallagher team that really scrapped together a <laughs> yeah. performance. Um, but yeah, I think West Ham, they brought in great signings, uh, mainly depth in that midfield area, which they were lacking. Uh, you would have liked them to bring in another striker, but they are all in on Mikel Antonio, hoping, hoping his hamstrings hold up until January.
1: <laughs> I know, dude. He's such a fucking brick shit house. I just feel yeah. like they could snap at any moment.
0: Um, it's like Derrick but- Henry. Uh, the, the odds are still not respecting West Ham. They are plus 145 away here. Uh, great odds if you think that David Moyes can carry this form on. Uh, they currently sit second in the league, scoring tied for the most goals uh, so far with Man City at 10. But they have given up five goals, so we know they can leak goals. Southampton is a, historically speaking, in the past 10, or I should say seven, eight years since they've been in the Premier League, historically st- like sturdy team that can compete and push you to really your best. And they're not really hurting on any um, injuries yet. Uh, Adam Armstrong, since coming from Blackburn, has been great partner uh, for Che Adams, making up for that Danny Ings absence. Uh, James Ward-Prowse captain there, doing good. And, uh, I mean, some other guys are filling in the shoes, too. Their back lines look a little young. They brought in some players. I know from Chelsea, so, I mean, uh, I think Southampton can get a result here. Uh, do I think this West Ham team is going to slip up again? I don't know. Um, very solid. The Europa League is going to start up soon, so we're going to see the congestion of games for them there. But I think West Ham can get a result here over Southampton, who are looking like a bottom five team, in my opinion, at this point.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think Southampton just really don't have any sort of fanciness to them. And I think that West Ham are a rising team still. uh, Really unfortunate draw against Conor Gallagher FC last week. That was unfortunate. But uh, I think that Southampton are just so much more flat than even Crystal Palace. And that's really saying something. So I think that Ralph's time. At Southampton is pretty much done. They call him the Black Forest Klopp. Uh, I think that's disrespectful to Klopp. It was nice to see Southampton beat the Brakes off Liverpool last season one time. Uh, But that was really like the Mm. best performance I've ever seen from him and them. So losing games has been brutal for them. And I think that West Ham are just kind of firing on all cylinders right now, scoring a fuck ton of goals. Antonio has been great. Ronaldo has been, you know, really amazing too. Mm. And then those West Ham guys in the middle of the pitch, like um, Sucek and Declan Rice and uh, Kufal, like those guys are all really, really good. And I just think that West Ham are a far better team on paper and a far better team on the pitch. So yeah, uh, there's a manager mismatch too. So I, I just think West Ham straight up. It's a it's a lock.
0: I give Ralph more credit. I think he's done a solid job there since his uh, 10 years began. I mean, but, they don't um, give
1: him much that I, we have to consider. Yeah, that too.
0: he doesn't have the biggest of budgets, and I mean, most of the time they sell off their best players yeah, because that's they fair. have to. And I I mean, it wasn't Danny Ings was the one that forced the out. It wasn't like the club needed the money. Uh, I'm sure they did with the pandemic and everything, but uh, the previous two matchups last season, Southampton dominated in possession, both games over 60% possession, but both sides equaled shots and shots on target uh, in both matches. The most recent result, West Ham winning 3-0 with a a Pablo Fornals brace. Uh, That is your guy. He is in form right now, and he's killing it in fantasy for me. Um, But yeah, I think West Ham here, solid. Uh, Could be a closer game, depending on the chances. I think Southampton are a great possession side, and West Ham may be chasing the game a little bit to start, but I think with the form Antonio's in uh, and with the signings they brought in for depth uh, can really help them.
1: Yes, I agree. Shall we move on?
0: Yeah, so now we go to Watford versus Wolves. Uh, Off the bat, this is a Wolves win. I think they have been... Robbed of games so far, or I shouldn't say robbed. I think they've been given results that weren't fair to them. I think they've deserved more points than what they are. They are uh, also down there with Norwich and Arsenal in the relegation zone on zero points, but they've only conceded three goals, which is of the best. I think the top what was a top uh, five teams. Yep. Like, so and they create a lot of chances. I mean, yeah, they do here now uh, shots on target. They average. 5 which is gr- a great number betting wise that's always around what the line is even a little bit more yeah. and just shots in total it's 19 which is third best in the league uh 18 dribbles the most in the league and they don't foul that much so i think uh i think what's his the manager's name zisco something like that zisco no, Br- no that's the wafford Woff- manager sorry i think this oh is i thought bruno you were Leitch. talking about wafford it's bruno no. Leish. yeah yeah he i was talking about wolves sorry yep Um, I don't think Jimenez has had the start that he's liked. Uh, He hasn't been put in any situations where uh, his head's been involved in anything crazy, but I think the main guy that's been letting them down is Traore, and we know he's not a finisher. He's a guy that can set up the chances, but you do not want him finishing them. Um, Trincao's been a solid performer so far. Uh, Jose saw a little questionable back there at times. Um, And their midfield's looking pretty standard with Neves and uh, Moutinho, both another year older, mainly Moutinho. Uh, Maybe not the same legs. But Jimenez has been getting heavy minutes, Fabio Fabio, Silva not as much. Um, On the Watford side, um, nothing too crazy. I mean, there's nobody on that team that jumps off uh, paper at you. Uh, Their main guy so far has been Dennis up front that they brought in from Bruges in the Belgian league. Yep, A very pacey guy who can give you good minutes. Uh, but they don't really have a good number two for him. Josh King, kind of inconsistent uh, with his performance, not doing too much. He's kind of coming off the bench. Uh, Sar after that week one performance, kind of fell off the map a little bit. And, uh, I mean, their new signing is Suzoko. So I think he's a well-experienced Premier League player, very bulky. He's a great box-to-box guy that can win you challenges and also maybe create a few things. He's still got a little bit of pace in his legs. Um but I think, like all the other Wolves games, it's going to be close. But I do think they nick the win here and finally get on the board.
1: Okay. Uh, that's fair enough. I think that that it's possible. Um, and I think that it's probably probable. Well, I'm going to go with Wolves, too. I think they finally get what they are due because, let's be serious, they they should have a couple of points here. It is an absolute travesty that they have none because they've yeah. been playing really, really good football. Um, it's actually cruel when you think about the way that Wolves have played they have zero points and then you think like how awful Arsenal and Norwich have been and they have zero points it's fucking cruel dude that's just how this Mm. league is though it all depends on who you play what week and and what breaks for you and what doesn't so uh, I think Wolves start to make some putts Uh, I think that they're going to start to convert um, some of those some of those really uh, hard fought results and they're going to they're going to stop letting it slip when it matters and yep. I think that that's really just gonna be the story of this game. I think that they outclass Watford on paper. While Watford do have some some solid players, as Melissa we, we did mention uh yes. briefly. Good. But I think that Wolves are just stronger in general. And I think maybe Jimenez, you know, notches one for himself here. I, I could see it happening. He has to start scoring soon or else it's gonna start to be a, a serious problem, I think. Uh, and maybe he won't be getting all of the starts, but we'll yeah, see. and
0: it's it's also hurting his international stock.
1: Yeah, for sure, and, so. and it sucks because like we know that he probably wouldn't have had a drop this drop in form, although it is short and you know probably temporary. Uh, this wouldn't have happened if if that whole collision thing didn't happen against Arsenal last season. That really sucked. I I really quite enjoyed watching Raul Jimenez. He was such a yeah. loss when it happened. It was it was really a shame.
0: Yeah, one of the most heartbreaking things last season. But yeah. uh, these two teams have met up four times in total. Both uh, split, or they—I should say—both clubs split matches. Two wins going each way, uh, no draws. They've scored exactly five goals each. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be a close game, in my opinion. But uh, moving on to the final game on the Saturday slate, the twelve-thirty game, Chelsea hosting Aston Villa. Uh, like I said on the top of the show, no Emi Martinez. Yeah, it's big. Uh, massive, massive loss. He is the backbone of that defense um, since he moved from Arsenal. Uh, Konza potentially going um, to be out. Uh, he picked up a little bit of a knee injury uh, against Brentford before the break. But yeah. uh, they do have backup in Zebe, who I do not trust there and Ming's missed the last match, but he will be fit for this game. Uh, other than that, uh, oh, also they have Bundy on the team who is also out. So, key signing gone, key goalkeeper out. Uh, Ollie Watkins is back for them, so we'll be seeing if they go two up top or if they keep going with Danny Ings. I think they're going to still go with Danny Ings there. Um, so this is a very thinned out Aston Villa squad. While you have Chelsea uh, with, no Reese James. He still has, is on suspension from that red card, so he, this, I think this is his last match he'll miss, and then he'll be back for the Tottenham game I think we play next. Yeah, um, yep, that's next. Nice. N'Golo uh, was out of the qualifiers this week uh, with France, so he's been getting some rest, so he'll be available, and potentially there's been a Lukaku issue. He had a thigh scan a few days ago. Uh, he said this has been a minor issue ongoing, but Uh, he is saying he'll be fine. And I think at this point, without Lukaku, it's a completely different team. With Timo up front there, or whoever, Tuchel will probably put Havertz in there. Um, I don't know if Pulisic will be in the squad. I don't know. It's very tough. And we also may see a debut in with Saul. Uh, We'll see if he's in there. We have a solid four guys in the middle rotating with him. Kovacic, Conte, and Jorginho. Uh, Top-class guys in there. Conte winning the UEFA midfielder of the year. Um, and I think Jorginho won the player of the year for UEFA, uh, if I'm if I'm not wrong. So I think midfield's looking solid. Back line's looking good. I'm hoping Chaliba gets a game here, as well as Chilwell. I think this is a great match for them, uh, even though Alonso has been phenomenal. Uh, just a lot of options, and I'm glad we're the healthier of the two squads. And you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to back the boys, obviously, playing the bridge. Uh, against Aston Villa, who upset us uh, the last game of the season last year and, and made us absolutely sweat our balls off uh, to clinch that fourth-place position where Gareth Bale saved the day, uh, beating up Leicester. So uh, thanks to him. And this is a payback game. I mean, they, they took four points, or they, they got a win and a draw over us last year. So they took a lot of points off us, which really hurt us. So I think this is payback time.
1: Yeah. Uh, Chelsea have won 11 of the last 15 meetings, or some I think that's just what I read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then three, four draws. So the last time they lost against Villa was 3 1 in December of 2011. That was a million years ago. Uh, I think that Chelsea are just so much better. And I know that we talked, you talked quickly about the scan that uh, Lukaku yeah. was undergoing, but that's been a problem for the past, I think like couple months even when he was at inner there was some right. there were some strange issues and he just was overplayed this summer he got a lot of time in the uh Euros. so i i don't think that it's going to be anything crazy but you're right in saying that the team lines up entirely different without lukaku they're going to be really struggling to find some of the space up top with with his large bowling ball uh, <laughs> and pace um uh, mm-hmm. sort of play style so I think as long as, as Lukaku's in here, that's gonna be a really, really easy win um against Villa. And I I just I can't see Villa overperforming and taking points off Chelsea. There's just no way. So I'm with Chelsea. Yeah.
0: With our defensive structure, it's hard to break down. And in the first three games, Aston Villa playing Watford, Newcastle, and Brentford, which on paper are in their favor, I would say most people would agree. And they only got they only averaged nine shots a game with only three on target. So now you're going up against a Tukel back line that is absolutely disciplined, at their ass is off, and we have depth that we have cover in all those positions. You're not thinking they're getting more than two shots in total, not even let alone on target. Yeah. So, and especially without uh, creators like Buendia potentially Bailey, hit or miss. So they're going to have to rely on the guys that have been there for a while, not the new signings. But um it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm thinking it's a wash. I think we carry on there. Um, so yeah. Uh, moving on to the final two games, the only game on Sunday, looking like one of the best matchups overall, potentially the best, Um, maybe behind the Ronaldo game, but Leeds hosting Liverpool, going to be a high score game, easy. Yeah,
1: for sure, 100%. Um... Uh,
0: This was the match you were talking about a couple weeks ago, I think you mistaken, it was the 4-3 win on opening day in the COVID year, Liverpool beat Leeds, um yeah. Mo Salah hat trick uh, Van Dijk got the other goal to win um we'd love to see Leeds run this game up to really test Liverpool but we don't know what Leeds we're going to get
1: yeah i mean we we literally don't we have no idea who's going to show up we've seen um i'd i'd say we've seen the the worst side of Leeds so far um but we don't know if that old Leeds from last season that was up and, and ready to compete with a team like Liverpool is going to be back. It's very possible that they could be. I'm not sure what to expect necessarily. I think the safe bet is going with Liverpool because we've seen what they're up to, what they can do. They have seven points on their or out of their possible nine. So they're in good form sitting in fifth place. While Leeds sit in 15th with just two points uh, so you know, two draws for Leeds. They've they've had two draws, which is fine. Uh, but I don't think that that this is necessarily where they get back to winning ways. And I just think that defensively, uh, Liverpool are solid. They are going to be missing Allison, which is um tough. But um, I just I just think that Liverpool win. I think I read that today that they're going to be missing Allison.
0: Yeah, I'm looking here on the road where they're saying he'll be out until the beginning of October. Yeah. Um. So that'll be, yeah. So, um. Yeah. Potentially no Firmino. I'm looking here with the whole um. Potential hamstring issue, and also I don't know if he was on the Brazil squad that, that was um on international break. So they'll have that too. And and Harvey Elliott potentially picked up a knock, huh. uh, with the U21 England team. So they're they're back to their old ways with injuries with Milliner as well. Um, but the back line is the main thing that you would like to see be healthy, um, as well as the upfront guys. None of them traveled Monte south, so they're fine. Um both previous matchups, Leeds actually controlled the possession. The most recent one, a one one draw at Ellen Road, which this match will be at, uh, taking place at, I should say, um eleven thirty kickoff. And I don't know. Um I'd like to think they're going to challenge Liverpool and Lee Um, with Bamford getting back in form. It's hard to get by Van Dijk, Um, but I think they could figure out something. I think they've gone long enough. Maybe they've been sandbagging us and just waiting for this matchup to come, and then they just let loose. So I, I think I'm going to stretch one here. I think this is going to be my game where I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to go with the Leeds win um i think this really shakes up the the format of the league uh with the top four dogs specifically this is maybe the time that one of them drop off and really have to play catch up so i'm gonna go with the Leeds win here
1: okay wow that's that's uh that's a bold one i like it Uh though uh we love to see liverpool lose but i i am gonna stick with liverpool i think that they're the teams come out on top here
0: yeah that's always a fair result now this game, this game is the trickiest game on the slate that I am picking. Uh, Burnley playing
1: Not for me, baby. Uh,
0: traveling to Everton, um, three o'clock game Monday. Pre little little uh, little taste test before Monday Night Football. Um, I mean, it is Monday Night Football if you want to think about it. Um,
1: yeah, true for them.
0: So right now, betting is. Let me get to it. Everton minus 135, not too bad. Um, Burnley plus 410 if you think they can scrounge out a 1-0 win or something. Um, Everton right now averaging 6.3 shots a game, which is third best, uh, as well as overall 15 shots, not too bad. Where on the other end, you have Burnley, three shots on target. uh, And they're all right with 11.7 total shots, but... Um, Everton are the team in form. Rafa Benitez has found a formula so far, I should say so far. um, I have not been their biggest fan when it comes to predictions. I've never, I think, picked them to win outright. And they prove me wrong every week. Um, Not too bad. I think if the band holds up with the Brazilian FA, they will be without Richarlson. We'll see what happens with, with James. They probably still won't use him. But I don't know. I think his time there is done. He's not he's not Rafa's man and I don't think he wants to be there either. Um and also we got DCL who is dealing with what was that? He was playing with a broken toe uh in the previous matchup. So we'll see what his build up is in the next couple of days in the news. But um I mean relatively healthy squad for Everton. Burnley on the other hand, as well. Uh we'll we'll potentially see the debut of um Max Max Cornet from Lyon, a very weird signing for Burnley, but he is a pacey guy on that left flank. He could play left back and also left wing, Uh, probably overlapping Dwight McNeil if you want to see that. That would be awesome to see. Um, But I'm going to back Everton here, and I know me backing them is going to make them lose. So I'm going (laughs) to go against my gut, and I'm going to go with Burnley.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna follow my gut. The bookies hate Everton for some strange reason. I don't know why. They are an absolute classic. Throw in your parlays. Always do me nicely. I think that they are going to be the the victor here. I think that they're gonna put out a solid team. I don't. So is Richarlison able to play or no? Because there's a whole bunch of Brazilian players that can't play now.
0: I think he's one of them that potentially won't be allowed.
1: Okay, so that's fucked. That's gonna be a but, problem. But
0: but they'll still have Damari Gray and um, DCL up there. So yeah, I mean, Rafa, they did bring in Rondon too. If they need, they can put Rondon up top. Who oh my has True. he has Premier League experience with West Brom? Big Sam there. Um, I think there was a period where he was at Newcastle. I might be wrong about no, that. No,
1: no, but... you're right. He was.
0: Yeah. So he he's played for multiple clubs. Mid table. Uh, Everton, if you like to say a step above mid-table, uh, not as of recently, but I just in the last two matchups I'm looking here, Burnley uh, won and drew. If if it would not go away for me, it was a 2-1 win to Burnley in March and a 1-1 draw in December. Um, Chris Wood and McNeil getting on the board with your boy Vidra getting an assist. Yeah. So I mean I know Burnley is capable of pulling off upsets. That's how, literally how they've stayed in the league so long if you're a team like that, you have to get some random wins over some quality teams. And I think Burnley is a team that can get it. And I think this is one of those games for them.
1: Yeah. I, I think that that's fair. Um, I just think that Burnley are a team that no matter what I bet, they always do the opposite. So maybe if I I way with Everton right now, yeah. So maybe if I bet Everton, then Burnley will win and you'll get a point and vice versa. I mean this no Full literally state. nobody wins here. Like it's
0: I will definitely put money on Burnley to win this game because at plus 410 you that. Oh, It's 10 great value. It's worth great
1: value. 100%.
0: And I, I and I genuinely feel they can win this game. It's not like, oh, it's just for the odds. I de- I definitely think they can win. I think yeah. they they can take a lead in this game and just sit on it.
1: Yeah, I can see that happening too. Everton. Uh I haven't we haven't seen them like break down a ton of tough teams yet. So that's that's no. You know, this could be a test for them. Um, we'll have to see how, how Rafa deals with it. I don't yeah. think he necessarily is a fantastic manager at, at breaking those tough park the bus teams down. So I'll be interested to kind of see how things turn out here. But uh, just for the sake of competition, I, I think I'm gonna go with Everton, back my boy ECL, tap in merchant. I can yeah. Um, Hopefully he'll
0: be available. And I mean they have br- yeah. I think the them beating Brighton last time was a side that is a pretty st- sturdy team. Uh, shape-wise. Brighton holding 66 possession of the play, but Everton still getting five shots on target and scoring two of those, one being a penalty. Uh, and Southampton as well. They're a pretty standard team, but right around this Burnley tier, if you want to call it that, they won 3-1. And they did still have less possession. So Everton aren't a side that hold too much possession. Even in the Leeds game, they tied 2-2. They only had 30% possession. So, I mean, Burnley isn't a side that hold the ball too much. I'm looking here possession stat wise burnley rank last in the league with 35 percent possession with everton right above them 37 percent possession so both teams do not like having the ball so we'll, this is going to be an interesting uh tale to see who takes control of this game um and you'd like to think it'd be everton but i wouldn't be surprised if burnley do
1: yeah all right
0: so that concludes the predictions uh, and the international talk, uh, as we've been going on, Canada is beating El Salvador 3 nothing, and Panama right now is up 1-0 on Mexico, putting them currently first place in the CONCACAF qualifying for the World Cup. Early doors, early stages, we'll see what the U.S. does. If they get a win, they'll be sitting in that third or fourth place tier, but who knows what the fuck's gonna happen? I want to see the odds right now of what their shit is. I think they still are favorites right now to win this game. They're at minus one thirty, not too bad. I'd like if they did. They don't allow you to pick um, goal scores. They only let say like it's only allowed for total goals and number of goals. Like you can't pick players to score. Still, which I think is ridiculous, but. um it's definitely going to be an under. <laughs> the under for two and a half is minus 178. Um, not surprising, but um, I I definitely I f- have a feeling there's going to be a penalty in this game. Uh, and that's at plus 245. So that's not too bad. I might throw a tenner on that. But um, yeah. Other than that, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, definitely check out the week one lines preview for the NFL. That is always great content. And now with um some of the other boys joining on. Adding their takes onto that, that adds so much more to the show and the program. Um, I think we talked about this off stream. Um, I don't know if I said it, but uh, potentially going to be doing Instagram TV stories or 10 to 15 minute episodes with um, some local players around the area. Some high school kids get a little background story on them just so you guys get to understand more about the team. Uh, we'll have to see what the kids think about that, but I'm interested. Some of them have been chirping me about when they're going to be on the show. Um, and I don't think they have a setup or anything to get like on our actual show. It's just so for you guys to have quality sound. So I think we'll keep that on Instagram, but I think that's something else to add to, uh, or some variety to add to our program other than just premier league. You get some NFL, maybe I'll get some college football stuff and then you get some local soccer stuff. So just another thing to add, on to the plethora of content that we have to offer. We are coming up on episode 100 quickly. That will be coming up in November, I believe, right?
1: Yep. Yep, right at the beginning of November, I, I think. So
0: yeah, that's right around our 2-year anniversary of December 5th, if I'm not wrong. I think that's when episode 0 went out. Yeah. So, so,
1: um, Evan anything else to add? No. I mean, that's it. Sorry if I was a little low energy tonight, guys. I am exhausted. But, yeah, you got uh,
0: you got you got the good side of him in the football stuff. That's fine. <laughs> I was happily happy to take over in this one because I've uh, been dying to talk about these Premier League games.
1: Yeah, um, I'm so excited for the weekend. It's going to be an absolute heater. Mm. Uh, we have so many sports back, guys. Yep. Please enjoy. Uh, I know a lot of you. Uh, if you're in college, this was your first week back. It was my first week back. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Um, but we'll get through it. Uh, we have. We have the whole fall. We have the NFL. Yep. We have the Premier League. Yep. Uh basketball will be back in like the middle oh, of October. Wow. That's wild. That's gonna be fucking great. I can't wait. Um and yeah, just uh, you know, be happy for, for what we have and we will uh catch you guys next week. Matt, I'll let you do the plugs.
0: Yep. Uh check us out at Post Twenty Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um if you guys haven't seen our latest post and you're interested in the spreads, uh, you don't have time to listen to the episode, check out what the guys decided on there. Uh, You can see the four different takes. You can fade who you want. You can ride with somebody if you believe they're sharp. Um, Listen to our past episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, five-star rating, let us know what's up, Uh, as well as head to our YouTube if you guys want to check out old videos. Uh, Potentially, we'll be coming back with that. Maybe some live streams with NFL. Maybe Evan, some of the boys will get together and do some of that. Uh, live reactions to the game, kind, kind of like how uh, some other streamers do it. Um, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so you're notified, especially on Spotify too, uh, when we post new content. Um, and yeah, that, that covers the plugs. Other than that, Evan already said see you guys. Have a good one. Uh, I'm ditto on that. And we'll see you next week.
1: All right, everybody. Take care.